Welcome back to another episode of Can You Dig It, a podcast by Silverscreen and Roll.com. I'm Christian Rivas, joined as always by Jacob Rood. Jacob, March Madness is in full swing, and I'm going to be honest, I haven't, I haven't watched a ton of games because the only time I've cared about college basketball in my life is when the Lakers have a lottery pick. And this would be <laughs> one of the seasons where... I'd be watching March Madness. I'd be checking in on mock drafts pretty closely because the Lakers stink. Uh, it's just the, the the problem is the Lakers don't have control over their pick this year. And the, uh, since the last time they were in the NBA draft lottery, things have changed to the point where even if you're the 11th seed in the or the 10th seed in the Western Conference like the Lakers are right now, um, it is possible for you to still make the playoffs. So for that reason, I haven't watched. Uh, I know there was a pretty wild game today. Have you had the chance to, to watch any college basketball? I this is honestly maybe my favorite sports like time of the year. Um, I. I was kind of thinking this. We're recording this after, right after the Arizona TCU game that uh, I you didn't watch, but I have to imagine that is what doing cocaine is like because that was one of the most absurd basketball games. Absolutely horrid officiating. Like you may have seen the sequence at the end of regulation, did, uh, yeah, where the TCU player was fouled committed two over and back violations. None of it was called. The Arizona player gets the ball and uh, doesn't get a shot off in time on a wide open, unimpeded breakaway. And But everything about that game was cocaine. Like, Eddie Lampkin is my spirit animal, and Arizona Benedict Matherin is insane. There was, That was so much fun to watch. I just enjoy... I've watched a lot of uh, this of March Madness basically since it started. Um, I enjoy just having a game on that always like seems to be ending because shout out to Turner Network or I, I believe that's who was in charge of it. They have this perfectly scheduled to where like you have to obviously watch a game to start, but then like once that game ends, there's a game with like 10 minutes left and you flip to that one. And then it that's just the cycle the whole day. So you get to just repeatedly flip to games that have 10 minutes left and see the most insane parts of March Madness. So I've been watching it. I absolutely love it. This is my favorite time of year. Uh, there were a lot of exciting games today. The Duke-Michigan State game was really fun. Uh, the Houston, Illinois game, the Iowa state was like every game today came down to the wire. Um, aside from like Miami and Auburn and Auburn was one of like the title favorites. And, uh, it was just an insane day. So you're missing out, man. Uh, you absolutely need to start tuning in, uh, next weekend because this is so much more fun than watching Lakers basketball most of the time. 
on the topic of like scheduling, I guess, um, it makes zero sense to me that the NBA hasn't adopted a similar like scheduling uh, thing where there aren't games, but there aren't like three or four games that all start at the same time. And, you know, people can't catch the end of the another really close game because the game that they're watching is going to end approximately at the same time as the other game. I, I wish the NBA would adopt like the weird baseball times where it's like <laughs> games will start at four fifty two. Um even if you just offset them by a few minutes, I think it makes a world of difference. And you'll, you'd probably have something similar to where you're able to bounce around on league pass and watch the ends of every game, which for me is, is, I mean, I think for basketball fans in general, the fourth quarter, assuming two good teams are playing uh, is usually where it heats up. The Lakers as of late fourth, the fourth quarter is uh, I think, the time most people have started watching something else. Uh, but the two games they played in the time that we last, uh, or, or, or somebody on our podcast network last recorded, not bad. Um, we'll, we'll call it a, a win loss because that's what it will count for in the, in the record books. Let's start with the game against the Raptors. Uh, the game, I decided that on my off days, I would not watch Lakers basketball (laughs) as like a way to protect myself. And of course, that is the game that Russell Westbrook makes a game tying three pointer and the Lakers end up winning in overtime. Um, I did not watch that game live. I was stuck in LA traffic, but I was able to rewatch the game and I think Russell Westbrook has had a higher scoring. Well, not I think. He has had higher scoring games in the Lakers uniform. Uh, and I think that Charlotte game, when we look back at this season, whenever it ends finally, we'll probably look back at that Charlotte game as the game where it looked like Russell Westbrook was starting to piece things together. For me, it was that Raptors game. And without jumping too far ahead, the Wizards game a little bit too. I think he just looked a lot more uh, composed offensively. Defensively, you know, you take what you can get from him. But if he's if he's starting to knock down three pointers or you know attack the rim, finish at the rim, make plays for his teammates. If if, if he's a positive on offense, I think you know you live with that going into the the postseason. Only took him 71 games to get here. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, my my problem with this Lakers team is I don't think there's been but like a very small handful of things that they've sustained over the course of the season, even individually. Like LeBron has been good the whole season. Uh, Malik and Austin Reeves have been good the whole season. And after that, there might be other small things, but there's not a lot that uh, has been good for the Lakers. And so, I mean, yeah, that Toronto game, I thought he was really good even before he is there a is there a sequence that better describes Russell Westbrook as a player than those 20 seconds where he 
gets an offensive rebound, takes it out to the three-point line, misses a three so badly I thought it was blocked, then immediately gets a turnover, runs down, and buries a game-tying three-pointer basically as time expires. Like that so perfectly encapsulated all of the maddening aspects of Russ's game that it was it was I just laughed when he hit that shot. Yeah, the only thing that comes close to that experience for me is uh every week watching Ferran Torres with Barcelona. Uh <laughs> I have to give him a shout out to because today was El Clasico, but uh yeah, no, it was definitely uh as is the case with a lot of Russ possessions, like a no, 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 yes moment. Um, I That was another shot I wasn't able to watch live. I would have seen it had I not missed my exit, uh, but I missed <laughs> my exit and I had to stay on the freeway for like five more minutes. Um, and yeah, it was I, I more than anything, I was happy for Russ. Yes. Like. There was that video that circulated of the Raptors fan just heckling him uh, the night before the game. It's just so dumb. Mm -hmm. Like, and and this isn't something I'm sure, uh, this is something I'm sure Russ deals with even at home games. Like, I'm sure it's a lot on him. Mentally, I'm positive he, he can handle it, but it's not something he should have to deal with. And, you know, I, I tweeted, I, I quote tweeted with uh, R.I.P. Bozo on on that tweet. But e- even without that context, it just really has been a hard season for us. And there haven't been very many moments where it's just felt like it's supposed to with Russell Westbrook on your team. Even Wizards fans had those moments last season where it was like, damn, Russ is frustrating, but when he's on, he's on. Like, he can win you games. And I don't know. I, I can think of maybe three or four occasions that's happened this season. And the Raptors game was, I think, the peak for me. And I really, really hope that as we get closer to the postseason, my hypothesis with this team as a whole has always been when the postseason rolls around, the intensity of the team will pick up and they'll play better as a result of them just caring. Before Friday, that hypothesis was out the window. And you can even argue that, you know, in the fourth quarter of Saturday's game, that hypothesis was thrown out of the window. But I do think, while I don't think that the Lakers will be a good team uh, if if they're engaged and and playing at full force in the postseason. I just don't know if they have enough talent or the um, guy on the bench that's going to play the right collection of guys. I have a lot of question marks, but I do think they'll be better. And nights like that from Russ and I, I thought Melo had a pretty fantastic game uh, off of the bench. Nights like that make me think. If we can just get these guys, these veterans who could not care any less about the regular season to lock in in the postseason, then we'll we'll at least have a competitive team. We're not going to lose every game by 20, 30 points like we've seen for most of March now. 
I somehow along this this winding road of a of a Lakers season, I have become the pessimist because I am. I can I usually consider myself like overly optimistic. I am fully out on this team. Um, on, on Russ first, I it just hasn't been fun. Like more than anything, like yeah, it there just haven't been moments like Friday where it was fun. Like uh, as you said, there's been only a very small handful. You could probably think of most of them. The dunk on Gobert, like the three pointer he hit against Boston, where he was like celebrating with the with the fans like there might be one or two more but that's really been it and it just it was such a nice like that's what i wrote about it felt like a this kind of cathartic release at in the moment where everything was just fun like everybody was enjoying the playing basketball for one of the rare times this season and i mean to go with all due respect to go this far without even mentioning LeBron these last two games is is wild because he was incredible in both games and he was hitting insane shots against the Raptors. He went full LeBronto mode to even keep the Lakers in the game to have a chance for Russ's shot to mean anything. Um so I mean Friday was fun. Saturday I watched I watched the first half. I, I definitely wanted to see LeBron past Carl Malone um, and they looked fun again. And then uh, I went to get some food, get some dinner. I came back and turned it on early in the fourth quarter and they were like down or it was tied and Porzingis was going wild. And that's just kind of the, the microcosm of what this team is, is they can flip a switch either way, like on a moment's notice. And a lot of times it's that kind of fake comeback that they've per, uh, perfected that uh, we wrote about this past week and you see it coming that they're going to cut the lead to, I mean, they did it against Toronto at home. Um, they cut the lead down and then make it look like they're going to do something and they run out of gas and run out of time. But um, I just can't, I can't get there with this team. I, I fully see what you're saying in terms of, I mean, that's what the Lakers have said is wait till we get to the playoffs and yada, yada, yada. I, as you said, this team just doesn't have enough guys who can contribute consistently enough for me to even like trust them at any point. Right now, as we record on Sunday night, they're the 10th seed, which means they would have to win two road games to even get to the playoffs. And that win in Toronto snapped a 11-game road losing streak. Their last two road wins have been Friday and the Brooklyn game when AD came back and everything looked awesome. That was another fun moment when everything looked awesome and LeBron was dunking like crazy and all that. Those are their last two road wins. So... The idea that they could even win back-to-back road games in a span of three days, I think it would be. Um, I don't even have trust in them just at that basic level. But it, there are – Russ has looked better. I mean, I'll give you that. Yeah. Uh, he looked good in, in both these games. If you can get AD back, which is still up in the air, he returned this week. Um he started on Monday doing some light shooting drills 
Frank uh, Vogel said on, I believe it, it was Friday, that he responded well. So they're going to kind of continue moving along. I don't want to use the, the phrase ramping up because that feels cursed with Kendrick Nunn. But um, <laughs> he, he'll he he'll keep moving forwards. But still, you can ask Vogel. You can ask AD. They both are optimistic and hopeful. AD will be back, but they don't know yet. So, I mean, everything's out the window if AD doesn't come back, obviously. But yeah. Um, I, there's just so many variables, uncertainties, inconsistencies with this team that, like, I I can't really trust them. I also don't even know how much fun it would be to get into the playoffs and then have the Suns beat the hell out of them four times in a row either. Yeah, and to be clear, I'm not, like, yeah. what I'm saying is they will the, – the, I guess, scenario I see, the best-case scenario for the Lakers this season – is more games like Sunday where they're in it. Like there may even be stretches during the game where they lead by 15, 16 points just off of the pure strength of LeBron and the kid units. Um, But I do ultimately think there will be teams that will field enough two-way talent to give them problems and ultimately beat them like, I would have preferred that. Like, even if the Lakers still had the same record as they do now, if more of their games look like Sunday and not the, you know, trail by 25 points and then end up losing by six points, it's effectively the same thing. But at least you have this idea that man, if they can just figure it out, if they can figure out how to close games or lock in defensively, if you can find the right combination of guys, you're looking at games that are being decided by six or seven points. And and there are stretches of games where they lead by, you know, 15, 16 points. The issue is, and I think the reason you and a lot of Lakers fans, including myself, have reservations about even going there with the Lakers is like, there has not been enough of that at all this season. You can't point to a single stretch this season where you can say the Lakers had it. They found it and they lost it. The Lakers still have not found it. And part of that has to do with Anthony Davis being out as long as he has been. And, you know, the... Rotation being as clunky as it was, decisions were made with the center position that were kind of forced to be made with AD being out. But even when AD was healthy, you know, some switches should have been flipped, whatever, whatever the case may be, they just have not had it. It it is not like the 2020-21 season where before AD and LeBron got hurt, it was a really good team. And you can say like, when the postseason rolls around, at least we know these guys are good. And in the event that we play the Suns or the Warriors, we at least know they have a, a puncher's chance because they're talented NBA players. They established themselves as a championship team the season prior. There is no reason to believe that this team has that in them 
outside of just believing that LeBron James and Anthony Davis when healthy are a tough out in the postseason, which I do believe. It's just about the pieces around them and figuring out what everybody's role is, how who, who you can depend on. And that's really the point I was trying to hit. If you can get Russell Westbrook to be a positive on offense, forget the defensive end. I'm not certain the Lakers can hide Russell Westbrook on defense with the personnel that they have. I'd even argue that they cannot. They need but, to hide about three guys on defense. Right, right. And that that is ultimately the issue with this team. But, you know, up, up until this recent stretch of games for us, it wasn't even about him being like, you know, you take – what you get, you can get from him on defense. The offense is always going to be there. The offense wasn't even there. If you can get Russell Westbrook to be a net neutral, I think you're headed in the right direction with the LeBron and AD pairing. And again, are they going to win a playoff series? No, probably not. But can I see a world where it's at least competitive? We're not, you know, turning off playoff games or the maybe the lone playing game they play by the second quarter i don't know i i for me the, the my baseline expectation for this team at full strength if it does happen is you know give the timberwolves or the clippers or the pelicans a, a comp like a competition make them work for their spot in the playoffs that's all i want and I think if Russ keeps playing like this, if LeBron keeps playing like he has for, you know, 20 years, then, yeah, I, I, I think it's likely that. And, and Anthony Davis comes back, obviously. That's the big one. We've talked about at, at good length this season, AD being the key to any of this working. Because look at the roster. They waived DeAndre Jordan, which I was fully for but they didn't replace him with a center or a like a center adjacent. I think Wendy and Gabriel's fine. Uh, I would be fine with him. Like I'm fine with him on a two way. I don't think he needs to be rostered. And if he is, I, I think it a not like a guaranteed contract for the rest of the season, maybe make it non-guaranteed next season. Like, I think that's fine. I don't think he, is the difference between them winning a play in the game and not. But I do think there's a role for him there. The fact that they waived DeAndre Jordan and didn't fill that need for just a playable center is, is so bad. Like, I, I cannot wait for Anthony Davis to get back just for the simple fact that you can play a full game with a rotation level center at all times, Anthony Davis, LeBron James, and maybe like whatever you can get out of Dwight Howard. I think you eat those minutes up at center. You're mostly fine right now. It's atrocious and nobody should be surprised that they're turning in the results that they are. Uh, Dwight Howard missed one game and it absolutely wrecked the center <laughs> rotation because yeah. he's the only center they have. Do you know when the last time the Lakers won back-to-back games was? January 7th. Oh, okay. Well, you read the site. Um, because Donnie, I know Donnie mentioned it. Um, 
earlier this week. It is that was the stretch when the Lakers really leaned into small ball and with LeBron at center, they won four straight games. But yeah, the last one of those was against Atlanta, January 7th. All those were home games. They've not won back-to-back games since. Um, Yeah, that's my – I think that kind of sums up where this team is at. And this just really isn't a good team, especially without AD. Um, With AD, you might be able to talk yourself into something, but it's just wild. As you were talking, I I mean, I know others have mentioned this. It's wild where our expectations are now versus November, like beginning of November, like this team has crashed and burned to unimaginable levels. There's going to be a whole lot of uh, looking back and, and analyzing. And I mean, this is probably one of the most, I mean, the, we did the poll. Is this your least favorite Laker team ever? And it was like 82 two or 87 percent said yes like i this is such a a frustrating team that i almost not even almost i don't want them to play in the playing game because i know it'll 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 frustrate me more i think i've said it on here but i mean they're in the 10 seed as we speak and unfortunately or fortunately depending on your mindset the spurs and Blazers just won't win games. And I mean, that was when we talked about it last week, that was your, your argument. It's a fair argument. Uh, There's still two and a half games up on the Spurs. They won't, the Spurs won't win enough games, even though they beat the Warriors tonight to make a run at it. But it's, it's a, it'll be a catastrophic failure if they do not make the playing game that in a lot of situations, front offices would be entirely like cleaned house and you start from the ground up again, but that's another conversation for another day. But I mean, yeah, there's talent on this team. Maybe once you get in a do or die setting, it's different, but the Lakers have kind of needed to be in a do or die mode for two months now. And we've seen the results. So maybe something changes not ad coming back i can't even put a lot in because like he's come back and the team hasn't looked all that different already like in the past so we'll see i mean i get hopefully we find out because i want ad back i enjoy watching him but there's just this is just such a a frustrating season that just kind of thinking how far we've fallen um it's 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 annoying to be honest, but here we are trying to figure out how to stay in a playing game and whether they can they can win two playing games to even make the playoffs. Yeah, it's really interesting when when you bring up the expectations we had before the season started, because there was definitely a scenario where it all went up in flames, because that is just kind of the gamble you take when you got your rotational your your depth for at all-star as flawed as Russell Westbrook like this was always a possibility it's just the scenarios where this did work out 
involved things that have worked in the two that worked in the two previous seasons um like starting with the defense there was enough there to where you could talk yourself into okay the lakers in the 2021 season weren't supposed to be as good as they were defensively on paper they lost Danny Green, they lost Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee, and they brought in players that, you know, from a casual fan perspective, or even from, you know, a perspective of somebody that watches the Lakers as closely and, and the league as a whole as we do, just bringing in Marcus All, Montrezl Harrell, and Dennis Schroeder, objectively, you have more op- offensive firepower. The Lakers are, you know, a stellar defensive team last season. This season, I think there is there was a hope that, okay, Frank is the guy to bring out the best in any team defensively. Carmelo Anthony, Malik Monk, not guys with the reputation for playing defense. But if we can, if Frank can get these guys to buy in the way they he did with the championship team and, and the team that followed, then yeah, maybe maybe things work out. But all of that was reliant on AD staying healthy. This was the, the Russell Westbrook having enough room to operate and drive to the rim. AD playing center. That's what this all comes back to. And I'm not one to, you know, shame Anthony Davis for not being able to stay healthy because I am certain that AD wasn't trying to get hurt. It's not like AD doesn't like playing basketball. More more than any season, I think AD has just been unlucky with injuries this season. And when he came back from injury the first time, he looked pretty damn good. He looked more engaged than he did at the start of the season. And uh, I was I was really excited. Just the unlucky things don't work out. That's fine. Some teams can can deal with that type of adversity. The Lakers were a team that could not, and we knew that going into the season. The moment the Lakers hit a speed bump, this was all going to fall apart. I think the disappointing thing is it wasn't a speed bump. It is just a like a full-on wreck. Like they hit the speed bump and then continued to roll over uh, and, and have just have not stopped rolling. And maybe, you know, the the car will stop eventually. Maybe we'll get to the point where we're able to get back on the road. But man, right now it's it's uh it's not looking like it's gonna end well. And really what we're doing every week now, somebody asked me, like, is it hard to talk about this team at this stage of the season? Like it was hard a month ago when the Lakers didn't make a move at the trade deadline. Yeah. We're now a month removed from that. And not a whole lot has changed still. And I think what we're doing at this stage of the season with how many games? Is it 11 games? 11 games left in the season? Yeah, they've played 71. At this point, you are accepting the season for what it is. But also throwing it out there that like if if you are to have a 0.1% chance of 
the Lakers making out of this, making out of this with their heads held high. It involves AD coming back. It involves not not just AD coming back. It involves AD coming back and playing well. It involves Kendrick Nunn coming back and playing well. It involves Frank Vogel making some tough decisions with the rotation in the postseason. It involves the veterans buying in on the defensive end and, and doing what they need to do to win the games. And even after all of that, it is unlikely that they do anything. And it sucks. I'm really looking forward to the offseason. <laughs> but at this point, that's what this is. This is what our conversation is going to be every week until the offseason is the Lakers suck, but there's a small chance they could be good if everything breaks perfectly. And what's crazy is that 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 is where we were at the start of the season. They just kind of the last thing. Uh, it it was interesting. It is a fair argument that Vogel was asked about Russ's shot on Friday. Kind of bring this full circle. And the first thing he said is, "It's nice to finally get a break." And for all of the the roster decisions by Palinka, the coaching decisions by Vogel, all the frustrations you might have. This team has also been incredibly unlucky with the injuries, with the breaks of the game. Um, do they deserve those breaks? Probably not. Uh, you can make an argument there. But the, the fact remains, this it has been a really unlucky team. And it wasn't something I'd really thought of until he, uh, until Vogel said it on Friday. This is even in like, I even in like the worst case scenario I could have imagined at the beginning of the season. I don't think I could have gotten to this point where they're 11 games under 500, barely clinging to the final play in spot. Um, I mean, most of that's due to the fact you can't predict injuries. And that's been a large part of what's derailed this team. And they've just been freak injuries, a, a lot of ADs, especially. Like a dude fell into his knee and he landed on Rudy Gobert's foot. Like neither one of those are something he could have prevented. And so it's frustrating. Uh, this team has dug itself into a hole a lot. They also haven't been terribly lucky. You add all that together and you get a team that is two and a half games up on the Spurs in the playing game with 11 games to go. And you're, you're trying to figure out uh, how, the, how they can even manage this one. We're going to take a quick break. And when we get back, we will talk about, the most exciting thing that happened on Sunday outside of the March Madness game, Jacob Watch, was a new episode of Winning Time. So that'll be us when we get back. I think the main like source of content that we've gotten from this show at Silver Screen and Roll is fact-checking the episodes every week. I can only imagine the amount of fact-checking you had to do for this <laughs> week's episode because... I understand the Showtime Likers were before my time. Uh, I am 25 going on 26 years old. And 
like I I am fully aware that I don't understand the lore and all the history of that team. There are things that were in this episode that even as somebody that is around the team and its fans as much as I am, had no idea about. Like, not the slightest clue. The I was trying to find the conversation I had with Harrison uh, talking about the mafia. And because that to me was the one where I was like, oh, okay, yeah, they they uh, this is where they exaggerated. Like, obviously, the mafia wouldn't be involved in in the Lakers, like coaching decisions. No, that happened. That that was a that was a thing that happened. I. um yeah, I said, okay, well, was the mafia actually involved with Jerry Cart- or Tarkanian? I put LOL, and he just replied, yes. And I just said, oh, um, the it, everything about that was absurd. Um, I knew the Lakers were had talked to Jerry Tarkanian. I didn't realize how close they had come to signing him. The None of that part was an exaggeration. Um, they, there was a deal on the table. Both sides had kind of verbally agreed to it. And literally the only thing missing was a signature from, from both sides for the contract. And the, the show compacted it a little bit. It was over the course of a few days that Tarkanian's, um, agent went missing uh, they were staying at a resort in, I can't remember exactly where, um, in Southern California, the Tarkanians were, and his agent had gone missing, and um, his wife had called as it as it as they did in the show, and there was like a growing concern, and eventually, he I don't know if how he was found is how it actually happened but um they he was the agent was found dead and the mafia or organized crime was kind of the presumed reason there wasn't that wasn't really linked but um yeah no all of that happened and it is absolutely absurd and I knew that the Showtime Lakers had absurd stories about them. I I didn't know it was this. And yeah, I was completely taken aback by uh, just everything about that aspect in this episode. I was able to look up like some stories on it. But the fact that this isn't like the biggest story or at, at the very least, because from from the limited research I did, the the murderer in in this case is still unknown to this day. Like we don't know for sure who did it. Yeah, and, that's typically how things go with the mafia. Yes, right. <laughs> and but the fact that like at, so at that at that point when you don't know who it is, it's just a theory, a conspiracy, whatever you want to call it. As as easy as it might be to connect the dots, at the end of the day, it is a conspiracy. The fact that this isn't as talked about as, you know, Michael Jordan's alleged gambling addiction is wild to me. 
Like the fact that my first time hearing about this is crazy. But I also think it's what makes this show work. Mm -hmm. It's obviously beautifully directed. The cast is the best part of the show for me. I think the story is great. Uh, even the dramatized version of it. Like it's, it's all fine and well. But the fact that we're getting these gems, uh, at least for people that haven't read the book, which I'd argue uh, when you compare it to like TV and book, most more people will have watched the series than read the book by the end of all of this. Um, I just think in some cases exposing uh, what you may have not known about some of these, you know, important figures in Lakers history, uh, but also just like expanding on things you may have known or just completely coming out of left field and showing you something you didn't even knew, know you wanted to know. Uh, and, and I think we'll get more of that this season. Definitely. Like I, I certainly did not know about the position that Pat, Pat Riley was in before taking the Lakers head coaching job. My perception of Pat Riley has always been, you know, this guy just woke up and was cool one day, like <laughs> born with hair slicked back and just the, the coolest temperament of any head coach in NBA history. That that's the Pat Riley I know. And, you know, even in, uh, you know, Chick Hearn's case where Chick Hearn is a beloved figure in, in the Lakers organization. He has a statue outside of Staples Center. And, you know, people grew up on his voice and that is what Lakers basketball was to them. All these guys are having that curtain pulled back a little bit and we've seen backlash from people that don't think Jerry West is being portrayed fairly. I would be stunned if there isn't at least one story about somebody coming to the defense of Chick Hearn uh, after, after <laughs> this story, like, yeah, there, there are going to be instances like that, but at the end of the day, I think you trust the reporting that was done. Like this isn't just uh book that was written purely out of gossip this is a well-sourced and reported book and there's enough supporting evidence in addition to the book to where you can say you know this was probably true even if it is a dramatization and I think we touched on it a bit uh, last time we talked about winning time but we're just we're going to keep on running to this th this season but also if they do an additional season with the Shaq and Kobe era, like there are going to be a lot of truths uh, like unearth that I don't know if people are ready for entirely, but I think that's great. <laughs> like, yeah. like I obviously don't want every sports figure I've ever loved to be milkshake ducked and, you know, <laughs> this uh, on TV, like on, on a critically acclaimed television show. But I do think the human aspect of sports, at least to me, it either elevates the experience or <laughs> in a lot of my cases as of late, 
I find an athlete I really like and ready to go to bat for forever. And I find out that, you know, maybe they weren't the best people. And you have that conversation of, can I still feel good about rooting for this person? Uh, I will say, so with Jerry West, that's the one that's come under the microscope most. I, I trust that Jeff Perlman does his research. He does. And he said recently, he tweeted, there have been multiple people who've come to him and said, this is, Jerry West is obviously dramatized in the show, but that there was some truth behind it. And I I think that whole aspect has kind of gotten blown out of proportion a little bit. It happened, the first episode, it looked bad. We discussed last week, second episode, I think, was a lot better, and there was even kind of less of it in this episode. Um, the Chick Hearn stuff is a little more interesting because you guys, as Christian said, you can check out our fact check piece. It has a lot more details. It's this week's is very long for <laughs> for reasons I'm sure that you can you can guess. But Chick Hearn in this episode was in it for two minutes and uh there was a lot of stuff we had to cover in those two minutes is what i'll say um there wasn't anything he did in that two minute scene that was in the book is what i will say for that um i know that there were a lot of things he said that made me raise my eyebrows and uh it forced us to do some research. Um, as best we can tell, nothing like that conversation with him and Pat Riley, there's nothing like even saying it happened, basically. So there might have been creative liberties taken there. The kind of harsh reality of Hollywood is that um, dead people can't sue for libel and that's i mean it's very harsh it's very kind of forward but that's just kind of how things work in hollywood like dead people or their families can't sue you for libel so that's where the creative liberties are taken a lot of times and for lakers fans it's unfortunate that it has to be chick hearn uh who as you said beloved i i'm not entirely sure why they did this like this. Uh, we reached out to HBO for comment and they just didn't respond because we were just kind of wondering what is the basis of what just happened in this scene. Um, but yeah, still we found some stuff on Chick Hearn that uh, problematic might be a good way to describe it. Um, it's, it's stuff you guys can go read on the website, but yeah, this is that's what this book does. And as you said, that's going to be by far their greatest challenge if they do a Kobe and Shaq one, as we said last week, is there's a lot of stuff about Kobe in that book that people are never going to be ready for. Um, so I wonder how much that'll factor into whether it even gets made. But 
for this one, I mean, there is so much stuff packed into this to the Showtime Lakers. It's hard to believe we're only three episodes in and there's been a very real murder. I will say kind of the the last thing on that part, the the murder. It didn't have in reality anything to do with the Lakers. That's how it's portrayed in the in the show that Jerry Buss's business card is in the collar. That part was dramatized. The the agent was basically laundering money from LA to Las Vegas between uh, car dealerships. And during the, the transportation of that money, he was skimming some off the top and they uh, told him stop doing that. And he called their bluff and they weren't bluffing. <laughs> and that's how you, that's how he was murdered. Again, all this kind of presumed since, as you said, the, the, the killer is still out there. Um, but so it didn't, it wasn't like, oh, if Jerry Tarkanian leaves for LA, we'll kill him. It wasn't directly tied to that. But uh, I mean, his passing did lead to, I mean, spoiler alert, Jerry Tarkanian did not coach the Lakers. And, and that's why he, uh, once it kind of came out, uh, after he had passed, it came out, it leaked to the press that there was an agreement and between kind of the passing of his agent and the Las Vegas kind of community he'd, he'd created with UNLV telling him that begging him not to leave. He walked back on the deal and he obviously did end up leaving for the Lakers, won a title at UNLV, obviously a handful of years later, about a decade later. Uh, if you want to look at, I mean, Jerry Buss is known for being kind of an innovative mind ahead of his time. He was trying to get Jerry Tarkanian a decade before he won a title with the running rebels. So it would have been interesting because I mean, UNLV was known for playing the showtime type of basketball. It makes sense why he wanted Jerry Tarkanian. Um, but yeah, it, there's so much in this story in this series that yeah it's i i really enjoy this i i've had a lot of fun watching these first three episodes there'll be a new episode uh next weekend and as much as i am enjoying the show i hope it is not all we have to talk about uh next week (laughs) i hope it is not the highlight of our show um that i think i mean it's it's hard because even if the lakers won against the Wizards, and they had back-to-back wins. I think maybe we would have spent more time on the positives. But it is just such a... like I feel like I've been tricked by this team so many times that it's really <laughs> hard to talk take like back-to-back yeah. wins where Russ plays well as like, a, is this something... Like, at this point, your, your knee-jerk reaction is, you know, show me more. Make it a 10-game winning streak, and... You know, uh, to to go on a ten game winning streak would mean to win ten of their last eleven games, and to the to end it on a sobering note, if you will, if the Lakers want to end five hundred this season, they cannot lose for the rest of the season. <laughs> like that is wild. What was their over? I don't. I didn't look it up. I their over under. I would have probably taken the under regardless. 
I there's no chance they hit it at this point. Yeah. I think it was around 50. And yeah, that's that is wild. This, as you said, what fool me once, shame on me, yada yada yada, whatever as the saying goes, like there's no chance I'm believing in this team. Short, yeah, sure, win 10, 11 games in a row and I'll buy in. But until that happens, <laughs> we're winning time is going to be the more fun thing we talk about. Tomorrow we've got uh game against the Cavs Wednesday today, today as you're listening to this right Wednesday against the 76ers at home that'll be their first home game uh since that Raptors game that I went to I, I I didn't talk about this just really quickly I went to that game thinking that if LeBron saw a Raptors jersey in front of him he was gonna cook and I was gonna go to a good game that was no joke I I don't know how many Lakers games I've gone to over the last 10 years. That was the worst Lakers game I've ever been to. <laughs> and I paid like real life money for those tickets. They're cheap, <laughs> mind you, because everybody hates this team. I, I've never seen the ticket, like tickets where I sat available for as cheap. Like people are basically giving away their tickets because this team is not even fun. It, it's not. During the rebuilding years, it was like you go to see the next generation of Lakers. You go to see Lonzo, Ingram, Josh Hart, Kyle Kuzma, whatever. Sorry, Julius Randle. I don't want to leave him out. Um, but this team, nobody, no, just, nobody wants to watch them. Nobody wants to, even if they have season tickets, it's like, take these tickets. I gain nothing from going to these games. It's wild to me. Uh that was my, my quick little side note. So we got the Cavs uh, on Monday, 76ers on Wednesday, and then a game with serious playing implications on Sunday against the New Orleans Pelicans. That's when you'll hear from all uh, us next. And, uh, you know, let's hope for a three-game winning streak so we can talk about how this is maybe, maybe a turning point, uh, but probably not. So that'll be us next week. Thank you again for listening. We'll catch you then.